Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Let's get into Genesis uh, 13. I'm reading out of the New King James as I normally do. And uh, let's see all that God has for us. Oh, and excuse me, let's pray first. Um, and then let's get into his work. Lord, uh, we just, uh, we thank you for uh, this time. We thank you for this platform that we are able to gather as a church body uh, this early morning. Uh, Lord, we just pray uh, that your word teaches us this, this morning, that your word gives us uh, insight and revelation, that your word uh, gives us truth and wisdom uh, and discernment in our lives right now, Lord. Uh, I've surrendered myself to you and that this be your word and not my own. Lord, I just pray that um, I pray for blessings today as we talk about uh, and seeing what is going on in Abram's life in Genesis 13. I pray for a blessing over everybody on this call and everybody listening to this later on uh, and that you be with every member here and their family as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So let's get into it. Genesis 13 again, uh, as I'm reading out of the New King James. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. God said, this is a, a no-parking lot. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's, uh, Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Parasites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. It is not, the, is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go right. Or if you go right, then I will go left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham, Abram, excuse me, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt 
in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land though <clears throat> through its length, and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the Tebarinth trees of Merah, which were in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. The word of the Lord. We see a couple things, and this is really, as we always, as I, I've said multiple times, don't get blocked off by the numbering system in which we use as a quick reference guide for the uh for the bible right chapter 13 doesn't really break up the story uh in which we're already seeing with abram um you, you hear me every once in a while I call him abraham because that's the name that he gets later on but this is still before he becomes abraham he's abram uh but it's abram that is leaving well first he goes back to Egypt right and we saw in last chapter that he goes back to Egypt with Lot basically this is a disobedience to what God has called him to do God called him to leave that land leave his family leave all of that and go to where I was going and where I want to put you and then a famine came and he goes back because he's leaning not on the understanding of God, but he's leaning on his own understanding of things. So he goes back to Egypt and it's just a recap from yesterday. And he, he's lying, he's doing all this. And then they catch him in the lie with his wife and the whole mess. And they send him south with Lot and Lot still traveling with him, which is also a disobedient uh, measure because Abram was told by God to leave the family. The only, really the only person blessed to go with him was his own wife. That was it. But he keeps bringing his nephew Lot with him the whole time. Still, we see this over that he was, he had these struggles and issues and he had to start doing things his own way because he was not going God's way. He didn't trust God for the provision when the famine came, so he went to Egypt. And so now in 13, we see that here's the continuation of that is where then Abram went up from Egypt. This is when he's getting kicked out, and he goes, and him and his wife, and he, he grabs Lot with him, and they go south. Now, the blessing, that this would be in anybody's worldly vision that they are very blessed they both have plenty of herd with them they have plenty of gold and silver they have plenty of all that at this time what we would look at and consider as being a very wealthy and blessed individual 
from a very worldly perspective. And yeah, that God absolutely uses the wealth of this world as a way to bless, but it's not the way. And oftentimes that's the only way we think of a blessing in our lives. So, and unfortunately, that's why earlier I was saying people perk up when we talk about the blessings of God because they think monetary gain, because they automatically think of the uh, wealth and things of this world that will make my life more fun. I'll get blessed by a boat. I'll get blessed by a cooler, bigger, or more fancy car. I'll get blessed by a bigger and nicer house. But anybody that's got a bigger house or has moved from a smaller to a bigger house just really means that's bigger utility bills and more you have to clean, which most of us don't really like to do. So is it really a blessing? Sometimes you do need the bigger house because God has blessed you with what sometimes we may or may not consider a blessing as in children. But children are a blessing from the Lord no matter what kind of day that they're having. <laughs> and every parent understands exactly what I mean by that. But we need to understand that wealth is not always the blessing that the Lord is going to have for us. Here, even with Abram, the blessing that God really is ultimately talking about is a generational blessing, that it goes beyond your physical life. And that the blessing is to continue on for generations and generations, that the reputation of your namesake that cannot be bought at a price will be huge and high. As we have Father's Day coming up this Sunday, here Abram is to be the father of the nation of Israel in a worldly sense. And that's one of the things that God is blessing and saying, my blessing to you ultimately is not the fact that you have a whole bunch of stuff, is that you will have a blessed generation to come. God plays the long game much more than he plays the short game. But we often are very concerned and even in our prayers are very concerned with the short game of life. And often we don't really understand that some of the heartache we go through is actually going to get us to a longer game blessing in our life. And it may not always be money. It may not always be things. It can be so many other things. Now, does God provide for us? Does God take care of our needs? Does God do those things? Absolutely. And he understands that there is need and there is things that we will need or want or have to have while being on this earth. But understand that those are temporary and they should be pointing to his faithfulness instead of just our own desires. We have to get a good framework for what blessings truly are in our mind from the Lord and not for what we want them to be. But one of the things is, is for us to truly see the blessings of the Lord, the way that God wants them to be, we have to be obedient. Partial 
obedience is just disobedience. We've said that over and over in our church, and we see that now as here, Abram keeps dragging his family, a portion of his family, his nephew Lot, with him. Now, they're clearly still very rich. They have plenty of stuff. They have plenty of, I don't know, not many of us are farmers. And so having a lot of livestock to me just sounds like a whole lot of work. But back then, that was a symbol of being very wealthy and being very earthly blessed. And so, but here's the other part that's only mentioned one at one point is that in uh, verse five, Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. If you have herds and tents, you have people to take care of them. So these also blessed with basically they both run a farming company, if you will. They have employees basically that are herdsmen for them because it says later in, in verse seven, Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock and they came there that they just didn't get along. There was there was no room for them anymore. The parking lot was full for them. But we see that God was saying, you went back to what was comfortable. And that's not where I need you. Where what was comfortable for you doesn't work for the blessing I have for you. It's not going to hold the blessing. The problem here is he kept going. He wanted to go back to what he knew. So he leaves Egypt and he goes right back to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. In verse 3 there, he goes right back to where he was at the beginning. He circled back in life instead of going forward. And it comes out to where if you stay where you're at, when God tells you to move, but you stay where you're at in life, in whatever situation, understand that the blessing God has for you cannot fit there. The blessing God has for you is too big, too great. It cannot fit where you are at. You have to move. It's time to go. But he wanted to stay and go back to what was known, what was comfortable in his own understanding. And they had to figure it out the hard way that guess what? This place isn't big enough for the both of us. What God wants to do is too big for where you're at right now. Understand God has only told us to stand firm on one thing and one thing alone, and that is his word. We are only to stand firm, never move, never waver on one thing and one thing alone, and that's his word. Everything else, we will be moving. If you know me, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a military child. On top of it, I, am, uh, I was in the military myself. 
So I've moved quite a lot in my life. My dad did 27 years in the army and uh, only retired after I got out of, or actually at the same summer um, of when I graduated high school. I go off to college. I basically move to a different apartment or place every year in college and then join the military myself and continue to move on an average of every two to three years. Moving was very much a part of what I understood life to be. Having a relationship with somebody more than two years was quite long for me. Living in the same building over four years, I started getting an itch. Like I need to move. It was just part of how I am. And I know many others are like, wow, it's weird for me to leave or move anywhere because that's what they've always stayed in. My wife is one of those where she grew up in the same town. She may have lived in a couple different houses, but still in the same area, grew up in the same place, has had friends since kindergarten. All of that, I have no understanding of that in my life. There's different perspectives on, you know, people want to stay where they're comfortable. For me, moving is comfortable. Um, so I get this principle that God is saying, it's time to pack up. It's time to move. It's time to get going. I always had this sign in my house um, growing up, and it was a little cute country thing. Um, you know, a lot of military homes had it, and it said, home is where the army sent you. Home is where the army sent you. Um, if you were in any, any other services, I saw it as well. And those like homers where the Air Force sent you or homes where the Marines sent you, whatever, same, same concept. We need to have the concept is home is where God sends you. Home is where God sends you. We often get mind and body and just emotionally stuck on usually places and buildings and, and surroundings and things of that nature. But God is saying, if you're resting in me, you will always be home. If you are resting in me, you will always be home. Don't be so comfortable with where you're at. Because it becomes a trap. And we see this as a trap that that's where when things got weary, when things got uncertain, when things were uh, nervous for Abram and not knowing where provision was going to come from, and he didn't trust the Lord's understanding, and he trusted his own, he went back to Egypt. And then he goes, and when he's kicked out of Egypt, he then goes right back to where he started. And he's dragging Lot with him. Lean not on our own understanding. Some of these issues would never have had to worry if he had just fully obeyed God from the beginning. Now the land was not able to support them in verse 6. The land was not able to support them. Where God wants to put you is where his blessing will be able to support. 
That may not be a physical thing. It may not be literally moving your house, but it may be moving out of something in your life that you need to understand that needs to go. Your understanding, we need to move on from something in our life to get to the place in which God wants to bless us in his way, not the way we are thinking, so that his blessing can be fully supported because he knows that's the right place to plant my blessing in your life. Again, the only place we are to stand firm is on his word, on the rock, on the truth of who Jesus Christ is, on his word. If you stay planted here, you will be fine. You will always be at home. But too often we want to go play in the sand and we want to stay in our happy place. We want to stay in our own understanding. We want to stay within our own plans or our own ways, or we want to, I'm going to step on some toes. We want to, we want to stay in our own habits. We want to stay in our own comforts. That may not be the comfortable couch. That may be the comfort of whatever it is you do. Whatever it is your thoughts are, your preferences. What are your preferences today that are just binding you down and not not letting your mind move forward with what God wants to do in your life? Sometimes it's it's simple as I'm just being lazy because I don't want to do this. Oh, I ain't doing that. We've all thought it or said it at some point. Oh, I'm not doing that. Nope, that's not for me. Nope, somebody else can do that. We've all said that at some point in our life because it's just that uh, that's that's not comfortable for me. I'm not doing that. Maybe it's the entrance to a gym. Maybe it's the um, maybe it's the new or different job. Maybe it's um, moving on from a job you know you are not supposed to still be there, and there's something else, and God's calling you to something. And you no, I'm just I'm staying where I'm at because it's comfortable. Some of us are probably thinking of a relationship we were in that this, I know, I'm, I know I'm staying in this relationship. It's comfortable. I'm holding on to it. I'm not letting it go. I know it's toxic. I know it's bad. I know it's unholy. I know it's against what God wants for me, but I'm going to stay to it because it's comfortable. Some of us have this with political beliefs. It's what feels right. It's what everybody else is saying. It's what everybody else thinks. If I think what God says, people will not like me. People will think differently of me. My, my friends or my inner circle will maybe not talk to me anymore. Because this political crap is getting way too thick and nasty. Maybe it's counsel from a friend or a family. Maybe it's the thought process of, 
understanding if I, if I follow what God is leading me to do, it goes totally against what my best friend is having to say about me or what my close family members uh, want me or think I should be doing. I'm more worried about the approval of family or close friends than I am about God. And so I get stuck with what my best friend from kindergarten thinks of me or my best friend from however long back. Or I'm more worried about what my mom and dad think of me. Or I'm more worried about what my brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, the list goes on. They want me to be a doctor. They want me to do this. But that's not in my heart. And that's not what I feel God is leading me to do. We get stuck in these traps of comfortability in all of these different areas. And they're basically areas that God is saying, the blessing I have for you will not fit in that area you are stuck in right now. The blessing I have for your life and where you need to go will not fit where you are standing right now. It's time to move. So it's time to go. And it's time to also, you need to be fully obedient. Notice that also the the true understanding, God repeats his blessing to Abram. Once Lot leaves. Once Lot leaves, God repeats the blessing to Abram. Okay, now that you really got rid of your family that I told you to get rid of in the first place, now we can talk this blessing mess. Now we can move forward. But you were still partially disobedient which is full disobedience. God doesn't play halvesies. It's either yes or no. You either are or are not obedient. We often talk about glass half full, glass half half empty. God's like, yo, it's going to be either all empty or it's going to be all full. You either obey or you disobey that's it i'm not to be messed with i'm trying i am faithful i'm trying to see if you're going to be faithful so let's go so lot finally leaves and god reminds him of the blessing and then starts telling him look around you And here's the other thing. When Abram does this, hey, Lot, you pick where you want to go. And it'll, whatever. You pick where you want to go. And I'll just go the opposite way. What does Lot do? He looks around. He gets a really good scope of the land. He sees the bright lights. And he sees the fruitfulness of the trees and the luscious gardens. 
and the beautifulness of Jordan. And he goes, man, the grass is greener over there. That looks like all the faithfulness that I need. That looks like all the fruit and provision I need. That looks like even more than I want. That looks like where all of my riches can fit. That looks like the place for me. Look from afar and all the pretty lights. That must be a place I need to go. So he goes there. And it's nothing but a trap. Because that's where he says, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Our earthly eyes can often deceive us so much. Distractions are so good looking. Distractions can be so good looking. Ooh. Look at all that. I'm going to tell you right now, and we all know this, from afar, Atlantic City looked pretty good. Not too bad. Lights on at night, hot, high, big stuff. Woo. You ever walk the Atlantic City boardwalk? Not the place you want to be. Not as nice and clean as you want it. When you get in closer, that prettiness only looks pretty from afar. We need to be mindful of what we are actually looking towards. And is it God's will or is it our own? Distractions will have pretty nice lights on them. Distractions will have low interest rates. Distractions will have all of these different things in our lives that make it look good. But we need to make sure this is what God has for us. How do we know that? How do we know what God really has for us? And many of us want to sit here and go, Lord, what, what, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And, and you go, God's not talking to me. God ain't saying anything he's already said. You better be in his word. You want to know what God says? It's right here. Too many people are not picking up what he's already said for us, and that's what we need. This is why we talk about soaping so much, because this is where we get the lessons already played out in other people's lives. That's where wisdom comes when we learn lessons from others and what God has already said about those things than us having to live it out ourselves. And I'm going to learn the hard way. Okay, you're wasting time. This is why being in the word of God, this is why being at his feet, this is why learning from him directly what he's already said 
And he wants to point this out to you. He wants to spend time with you. Many, many people are on this call right now will tell you how many lessons they've learned in life and how many revelations, how many uh, guidances and words from the Lord they've gotten because they spent time in his word right here that he's already said. He's already said so many things that we need to spend time here than worrying about all these other things in life. You want direction? Come here. You want wisdom? Come here. You want discernment for your life and what's right and wrong? Come here. You want to understand if he or she is right for you? Come here. If you want to understand, is that the right move for me? Come here. Come to the feet of the Lord. This is where we get that understanding. In verse 18, then Abram moved his tent. Now we're getting somewhere. Now he's understanding. He moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terabith trees. And here's the part. And built an altar there to the Lord. It's time to move. It's time to pack up. And when you get there, unpack. Make it home. And set up an altar for the Lord. What does that mean in a New Testament context? That means two things. One, where's your personal time to sit in worship and in meeting with the Lord? Where in your house, where in wherever, it could be your vehicle, it could be, I don't care where it is, where is your personal altar, where is your personal meeting space, where is your personal time with the Lord? Where is that personal altar for him? And then two, we have the body of Christ now in a New Testament context, in the context of fully of what we are living in now and what God has called us to be is the body of Christ. We have to come together. Where is your body? Where are you plugged into as a community for Christ? Too often Christians say, oh, I can just worship God at home. I don't need to be where the hypocrites are. Guess what? You're already where the hypocrites are because you live in your own house. You already, we're all hypocrites at some ridiculous level because we're all sinful. We're all not perfect. We all have messed up in our lives. So if you want to leave where the hypocrites are too bad, you're walking around with one. We're all that's that's like saying, I don't want to go to the hospital because there's sick people there. It's, it's a ridiculous statement. You, you can't do habsies on this. The New Testament context in which we are here, God has built his church. He has built the body of Christ. We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So guess what? If you want, you want a blessing, but you are not plugged in to your church, to a local body, you're basically telling God, I need you to bless me with no hands and no feet.
I need you to bless me with no hands and no feet. I'm going to go have these on you. So God's going to sit there and go, are you serious? How many, I know Papa can say this. I know uh, Doug can say this. I, I know um, Gene and so many others. I, I know Mike can say this. I know Tara can say this. Like God blesses us so many times through the body of Christ, through others in church, through Christ followers, through each other that wants to be there, that want to hold on to each other, that want to encourage and lift each other up, that want to pray for you, that are going to give you good godly wisdom and guidance that will also help you with discernment and knowledge and wisdom. God works through his church as well as you individually. You have to be part of the body of Christ or you are, you're just cutting off the hands and feet of Jesus in your life. So where is your altar? And where are you plugged into the body of Christ? You have to do both. So I, I pray that this gives us a more healthy perspective. I told you, you may not want to know really about what God has to say about blessings in our life, but we have to be obedient for the true blessing that God has for us. We have to understand these parts. Or really what could be going on in our life is merely a distraction and not a blessing. So I pray that this gives us some more wisdom and discernment into our lives and what God wants for us each individually and all of us collectively as a body of Christ. May we be his hands and feet in lifting each other up and hopefully lifting this world up. Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you this morning for uh, your word. We thank you for these, this story of Abram, of, of being able to dissect and see what you were working through in his life and, and even some of the mess-ups that, that your word is transparent about your people. Your word gives us where they mess up so we can learn from those mistakes, where we can see that these are people too and they, they're imperfect but you still want to work with the imperfect. That we just be obedient to you, that we may stay plugged into you, that we stand firm on you as the rock of our life. Lord, we repent of any issues or any uh, preferences or any uh, desires or uh, areas of comfortability that you want us to move on from. Lord, may you give us fresh word and remembrance of where you need us to move individually and as a body. Give us wisdom and discernment today. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for who you are as a father to all of us. And we thank you for your son, Jesus. And it is in his name we pray. Amen and amen.